Welcome to Two Guys and a Question. Between them, Alan Creedy and Danny Jefferson have almost 100 years hands-on experience with funerals, funeral directors, finance, and real-life situations. Every Tuesday and Thursday, they field questions for more than 1,200 subscribers, hoping to stimulate your thinking and resolve your challenges. Welcome to Two Guys and a Question. I'm Danny Jefferson. And I'm Alan Creedy. Alan, we got a question we talked about in one of our past podcasts. It might have been the last one we did about hiring a person. Right. And this particular person, it might not have been this particular person because we get so many that we're trying to help. But the particular question was, how can I justify paying a higher salary? One in this particular case was $85,000. Boy, this is a key question, Danny. We're getting this a lot, aren't we? Uh, funerals, licensee salaries have exploded in the last year or two. Why is that? Because there's a shortage. It's supply and demand. And when you add the, the uh, adjective quality licensed funeral director, if you've got five or more years and you've got some pizzazz about you, you're going to be a very attractive candidate to a lot of people and and you know one of the things that's happening that's really irritating a lot of people is is poaching funeral homes are stealing uh licensees away from each other but that's been going on for years though. well but it's really accelerated lately so if i'm a small funeral home or even a large funeral home and my budget is 65 or so for a licensee where am i going to get 20 more thousand dollars well i <laughs> I can actually help you with that. Well, we can actually help you with that, but let's let me talk let me answer that question directly because it it's going to take a little different thinking. All right. The standard cost of labor for funeral homes is about 35% of net sales. Net sales excludes cash advances. So 35%. That includes the owner's salaries, that includes the staff salaries, that includes the part-time contract labor, uh, payroll taxes, health insurance, et cetera, 35%. Some funeral homes lately have actually gotten that number down to 30%, but that's another conversation. So the the point here is not how can I afford to pay more, but how can I stay within that margin and, and stay, you know, and how can I afford it? So, you know, the obvious answer to, to the question is you're going to have to charge your clients more. Unfortunately, if you just raise your prices, if let's say you pr- raised your prices by $100, just for the sake of conversation, my experience is that only about $75 of that is going to get to the bottom line because your your clients are not going to to just pay $100 more. They're going to pick and choose, and in, in the end, yield is going to be less than $100, okay? All right. Does that, you follow that? I do. I want to understand... A hundred dollars for a firm that's doing a hundred calls a year, as opposed to a hundred dollars for a firm doing three hundred fifty calls a year, is a big number. Well, it, it is a big number, and and frankly, sometimes today, because people are pretty lazy about increasing their prices, it's oftentimes five hundred to a thousand dollars. But but again, that's a that's a whole different topic. What we're talking about today is how can I afford it? 
all right? So you're going to have to rethink your model. Right now, today, uh, the average caseload for funeral directors is about 85 calls. It's been 85 calls for the 40 years I've been in this business. And yet the, the kind of calls that you're servicing have changed radically. They've, they've actually involved less labor today sometimes than, than they ever did back when you started, uh, when everybody was buried, everybody had a casket. So it's, it's, but we're still at the same caseload. My, my personal belief is that we're going to have to rethink the job in, in many ways. Why is it 85 calls? Well, the truth of the matter is, if I remember correctly, well, I'll just ask you for the sake of our listeners, how many, how many, how many families did you personally serve when you were, were serving families? 150. 150. And yet... And that was even before I was in my own funeral home. Exactly. So why... This is a rhetorical question we want to delve into because we the answer to the question about how can I pay eighty five thousand dollars or seventy thousand or sixty five or ninety or a hundred is lies in the answer to that question. How did you do one hundred and fifty? And and what what it was. And I remember not only did you wait take care of one hundred and fifty families, but have known you for a while, and you also at the very same time enjoyed. A quality of life. It's it's a question of choice sometimes because I have learned that some funeral directors like to be busy. Well, they, they like to busy. They like to be firemen. But unfortunately, yeah. some of them even prefer being at the funeral home as opposed to their own home. Well, that's, that's true. And that's another topic. That's me. a whole other topic. Yeah, that's another topic. But let me just share this with you. Years ago. Uh, those of us who are old enough, it's about 20 years ago, maybe it was 30, 25, I don't know. Uh, one of the big issues on, on the news was the shortage of nurses. We were facing a critical shortage of nurses. Other than the COVID impact, which we've been hearing about lately, you haven't heard that in a long time. And what happened was the major hospitals began to realize that the reason that they had a nursing shortage was not that they didn't have enough nurses but that they had the nurses that they had doing non-nursing duties. Now, I understand the emotional trauma of giving up some of these things. I've been through this many times. But the reason it's an 85-call caseload is because most licensees insist on doing non-licensee tasks. You do not need a license to order a vault or a casket. You do not need a license to set a, to, to submit a um, obituary. You do not need a license to contact the the pastor. And I know a lot of people are holding their chest right now, going, "Oh my gosh!" And I know the reason that you that they do it is because then because when I have done it, then I know it's done. But you know, doctors and lawyers have para professionals that help them. They're called nurses or nursing assistants or paralegals or administrative assistants. Lots of professionals have people doing non-professional work so that they can do the, the work that they're suited for. Well, that's exactly how I was able to see 150 families with ease and have a life. Exactly. Now, I will tell you, and this is from experience, it is very, very difficult to get others to 
believe it, buy into it, agree with it. Other funeral directors? Yes. Well, that's because they're holding on so tightly to their the funeral directors. I'm sorry if this offends anybody. I'm I'm just going to have to say it. There's a there's a subconscious uh, self-image issue in funeral service, and somehow or other, funeral directors have have convinced themselves that if they're not working so hard, that it's going to impair their health. They're not good enough. The family appreciates professionalism. That oh, very I much. If you go to your doctor, yep. you talk to five people before you ever see the doctor. And many of them I like more than my doctor. Right. <laughs> and if you have a good nurse that helps the doctor, I'm going to be, it's going to be easier for me to speak to the nurse than it is the doctor. And you know what happens? You know what happens in that? And no. it happens with funeral directors. I've, I've seen it and I, I've talked to people about it, is that... People get used to, very quickly, used to dealing with competent, trained substaff. Okay? Sure, sure they do. And, and, and so when they do finally interact with the, the, the big guy, the big girl, uh, that being the funeral director or the attorney or, or whatever, they hold that person in even higher esteem. Well, I have actually told families to call so-and-so and so-and-so that was with my staff. Because they said they're going to be able to help you more than I am. Did you get counseling? Did I get counseling? <laughs> uh, I took medication. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things but that so we, I want to. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we really want to get key point. How do I afford it? You can't afford it if the call the call load is 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 85 calls a year. But then you, I know people are going to say, well, heck, they don't want to work any more than 40 hours a week. As it is, well, if you're going to pay somebody $85,000 a year or $95,000 a year, they got to earn their way. And that's, that's, that shrinks the pool that much more. But if you give yourself two, three, or four years, my bet is you're going to find those people. Or, and or, you're going to find non-licensees who are willing. If I had two qualified part-time people, mm-hmm. I wouldn't need... $85,000 person. How about that? Now, here's something else. If you have a way, depending on your situation, your environment, obviously any state, if you're selling funeral merchandise, mm-hmm. you have to have a license. Correct. But you don't have to have a license to sell monuments. Well, you don't. Do you really? Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Do you have to have a license? Let's talk about North Carolina because they're very rigid. Uh, do you have to have a license to fill out a funeral contract? No. You do have to have a license to, to discuss sign it. it. And discuss and it. And discuss it. Right. Here's, here's the thing. You don't have to have a license to sell monuments. You don't have to have a license to sell jewelry or fingerprints or whatever the situation is that's not a casket or a vault. Right which is generally the only thing that is considered funeral merchandise in so, the discussions. So let's think the about arrangement. this scenario for just a minute because it really comes back to you have to be able to increase your prices, but more to the point, you have to increase, I'm sorry to speak in, in manufacturing terms, you have to increase the yield of your licensed staff. Sure you do. You and increase the yield of your licensed staff. But the truth of the matter is, you can do that. In fact, uh, my privilege here, not to, not to 
blow smoke at you is I'm sitting looking at a guy who's done this. 150 services a year out of a 300. You were doing 50% of the services that you, you were you were doing. Well, realistic, probably doing more than that. Well, but, but 150 is real because it was more of an average. But let me ask you another question uh, to get to another point. If we're seeing these families and we've raised our prices $100 and we have ancillary sales that mm -hmm. are greater, would we have to raise that price $100 if we were had someone that was capable and more of a sales type person that was selling more of these side things? Well, Danny, that goes to another question which we're going to discuss next, and that is, how can I raise my revenue without raising my prices? Okay. We're going to entertain that question in a future podcast. We hope that we've answered this question today. As you can do it, we can help. Remember to send your questions by clicking the link at www.twoguysandaquestion.com. New questions are answered every Tuesday and Thursday at 4.22 p.m. Eastern Time.